Welcome to Arminianism, Another Gospel by William McLean. We are continuing to read at page 28 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books, many free resources as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon, quote, as the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read, renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying." Unquote. And now to SWRB's reading of Arminianism, Another Gospel, which we hope you find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. John chapter 14, verse 6. Number 2, Total Depravity. The truth of God teaches that man, through the fall, is in a state of spiritual death and alienation from God. He is depraved and defiled in his nature. His understanding, will, and affections are under the power and love of sin. Quote, Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Unquote. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Quote, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men, to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Unquote. Psalm chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Quote, the whole human race, unquote, in the words of Dr. Charles Hodge, quote, by their apostasy from God, are totally depraved. By total depravity is not meant that all men are equally wicked, nor that any man is as thoroughly corrupt as it is possible for a man to be. But there is common to all men a total alienation of the soul from God, so that no unrenewed man either understands or seeks after God. No such man ever makes God his portion, or God's glory the chief end of his being. The apostasy from God is total or complete. All men worship and serve the creature rather than and more than the Creator. They are all, therefore, declared in Scripture to be spiritually dead. They are destitute of any principle of spiritual life, unquote. That is man's condition as he is before God. Quote, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, unquote. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, quote, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again, unquote. John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, quote, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it, unquote. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Arminians deny the total depravity of man, in that they hold that the will of man is free and has the ability to choose Christ and, and the salvation that is in him. Such teaching is false and delusive. The will of man is free. 
only to choose according to his moral nature, and as his nature is under the dominion of sin, man chooses accordingly. Quote, man by his fall into a state of sin hath wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin, is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto, unquote. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 9, Section 3. Quote, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Unquote. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Quote, no man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Unquote. John chapter 6, verse 44. Quote, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Unquote. John chapter 6, verse 65 and 66. All who are born are said to be born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Unquote. John chapter 1, verse 13. The quote, evangelism, unquote, of decisionism, coming forward to the front, or standing up to make a decision for Christ or signing decision cards, is purely Arminian. It is not of God, but of the will of man, and can only end in delusion and eternal despair. This, quote, evangelism, unquote, of decisionism is based on another false and erroneous doctrine held and propagated by Arminians, that of a universal atonement. Quote, there is in every mind containing any acquaintance with gospel truth, unquote, said the eminent Dr. John Kennedy of Dingwall. Unquote. The idea that an interest in Christ's death is essential to safety, there is in every unrenewed heart a desire to avoid the necessity of dealing with a personal Savior and to again to and attain to hope through the gospel without being quote, born again. Unquote. The figment of a universal atonement has been produced to meet this craving. It is just the gospel perverted to suit the taste of proud carnal man. Quote, Christ died for all, and therefore for me. I believe this, and therefore I shall be saved. Unquote. Are the short stages of an easy journey to the hope of peace. To believe that Christ died for me because he died for all is to, quote, believe a lie, unquote. But even if it were true, of what advantage could this faith be to me? His dying for me, because for all, secures nothing for me, and to believe this is something else than to believe in Christ himself. It is, in effect, making his death a substitute for himself. But instead of looking on the death of Christ as it refers to you, look in the first instance on its bearing on, its own, on his own fitness to save, and on the prospects of all who are one with him. To view it thus is to see Christ commended instead of superseded by his death. The first thing I require to be assured of is Christ's fitness to save me, a sinner. It is in him I am called to trust, ere I can do so. I must be persuaded that he is worthy of my confidence. This I cannot be assured of unless I know him as a sacrifice for sin. The merit of his sacrifice I, can appreciate. I cannot appreciate but in the light of his personal glory. And I cannot appropriate the benefits secured by it till I have first taken hold of himself by faith. 
What I discover in the light of the cross is that he can save me in a way that shall be to the glory of God. This is his great recommendation as a Savior to me. If this were not true regarding him, I could never confide in him. And in the light in which I, rec I realize the infinite merit of his sacrifice, I know his love to be such as, quote, passeth knowledge, unquote. To connect that love and the death by which it was commended with those whom the Father gave to him does not deprive me of hope. It only assures me of how certain and therefore how desirable that redemption is, which was purchased by his blood. The person in all, all his power and love is, is presented to me, and the authority of God shuts me up to the acceptance of him in order to my salvation. It is light revealing the glorious person, the infinite merit, and the ineffable love of Christ, and the call, call requiring me to come to him and not any supposed reference of his death to me that encourages me to receive him that I may be saved, unquote. Three, effectual calling, quote, All those whom God hath predestinated unto life and those only, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving unto them an heart of flesh, renewing their wills, and by his almighty power determining them to that which is good, and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace, unquote. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 10, section 1. Quote, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, unquote. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Quote, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, unquote. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Quote, now here is the touchstone by which we may try our calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This calling forbids all trust in our own doings and conducts us to Christ alone for salvation, but it afterwards purges us from dead works to serve the living and true God. As he that hath called you is holy, so must ye be holy. If you are living in sin, you are not called, but if you are truly Christ, you can say, quote, Nothing pains me more than sin. I desire to be rid of it. Lord, help me to be holy, unquote. Is this the panting of thy heart? Is this the tenor of thy life towards God and his divine will? Again, in Philippians 3, chapter, I mean, verse 13 and 14, we are told of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Is then your calling a high calling? Has it ennobled your heart and set it upon heavenly things? Has it elevated your hopes, your tastes, your desires? Has it upraised the constant tenor of your life? So that you spend it with God and for God? Another test we find in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, quote, partakers of the heavenly calling, unquote. Heavenly means a call from heaven. If a man alone call thee, thou art uncalled. Is thy calling of God? Is it a call to heaven as well as from heaven? Unless thou art a stranger here, and heaven thy home, thou hast not been called with a heavenly calling. 
For those who have been so called declare that they look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, and they themselves are strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. Is thy calling thus holy, high, heavenly? Then, beloved, thou hast been called of God, for such is the calling wherewith God doth call his people." C.H. Virgin. Arminians, on the other hand, believe that man has the natural power of will to exercise faith on Christ. Sinners are therefore urged to make decisions for Christ. On this foundation of sand, multitudes build their hope for eternity. The decisionist conversion is but the exercise of the unrenewed will. The faith in Christ professed is not the gift of God. The joy experienced is the joy of the stony ground hearers. The hope cherished is not the good hope through grace, but the hope of the hypocrite that shall perish. All the religious activity which follows is not of the spirit, but of the flesh. Quote, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Unquote. Matthew chapter seven verses twenty-two and twenty-five. Saving faith, the faith which is saving, which is the fruit of effectual calling or of the new birth, is the gift of God. Quote, By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Unquote. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Quote, Faith looks to Christ as holding the office of a Savior. The command is given, and observe it is given to all as blind and guilty, and helpless to look to Christ that they might be saved. And the first decisive and satisfactory evidence of a change of heart is to get a sight of Christ as the Savior. We may even before this have good hope concerning you that the spirit of grace has begun to deal with you but we dare not as we value the souls of men and tender the glory of God we dare not say that any man is born of God in other words truly converted till he sees Christ quote many of you say you have faith in Christ can you tell us anything about him in whom you say you believe were your souls ever ready to sink into hell did they ever stick fast in the miry clay of corruption, locked up in the prison of unbelief, ice-bound by impenitence, laid lower than the beast with lust, tormented as beset by devils? Did any one come to rescue you in that state? Who is he? Is he a savior? Mary saw the Lord. She could tell something about it. And so the two disciples going to Emmaus, can you this day condescend upon a single incident even to the extent of the twinkling of an eye? Any condition of body or soul in which you saw the Lord by faith, can you tell what passed between him and you? Reverend Jonathan R. Anderson, Glasgow, died 1859. While Arminian converts usually manifest a strict and praiseworthy abstention in the life they lead from drink, smoking, gambling, cinemas, etc., and a self-denying zeal for propagating their gospel and winning converts, their attitude to the Lord's Day is not one of tenderness and love. Quote, Ye are not under the law, but under grace, unquote, is the scripture which they rest in order to justify themselves. True believers in Christ are not under the condemnation of the law. 
Quote, for there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, unquote. But they are, quote, under the law to Christ as their rule of life. This the Apostle states in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 21. Love to Christ is manifested and proved by love to his commandments. Quote, if you love me, keep my commandments, unquote. Quote, he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him, unquote. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. All who have no love for God's holy day, who are not grieved over how far short they come in keeping the Sabbath holy to the Lord, and who are not wounded and grieved in soul when they see the Lord's day desecrated, whatever their profession and whatever name they may have, they have but a name to live. They are still in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Quote, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, unquote. 1 John 5, verse 3. When the Lord writes his law in the heart in regeneration, there is love for the fourth commandment as surely as for the other commandments. Love to the Lord, to his word, to his cause, to his people, and to his commandments. The Holy Sabbath included cannot be separated. Arminian church bodies of our day have removed the ancient landmarks set by the godly fathers in the past as safeguards and bulwarks of the sanctity of the Sabbath. The result is obvious. The curse of the popish or, quote, continental un Sunday, unquote, has overspread the land like a flood. Is it any wonder that Dr. Kennedy of Dingwall said that voluntarism and Arminianism must be pioneers of rationalism, for they are both the offspring of unbelief? Man's inability and responsibility. Arminians hold that responsibility infers ability and therefore maintain that when sinners are called upon to believe and to repent, that they have the power to do so, such teaching is false to the core. The call given in the gospel and given by all who preach the gospel in its fullness to believe and repent is the outward call. It is the prerogative of the Holy Spirit alone in his internal and regenerating work to make the outward call effectual. Quote, many are called, but few are chosen, unquote. Although man through the fall lost his ability, he is still responsible and accountable to God. And because responsible, he is duty-bound to make use of the outward means and ordinances appointed by God, and the efficiency of which is dependent alone on his power. God has established a connection between the means and the end desired. He commands us to use them, and he has promised to bless them. To separate the means from the end, which the Lord has ordained for the salvation of sinners, is to be guilty of separating what the Lord has joined. A despising and a neglecting of the means is a despising of the salvation the means bring before us. Quote, and how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Unquote. Number four, the atonement. The atonement is the satisfaction which the Lord Jesus Christ, by his obedience unto death, gave to all the claims of God's law and justice in the room instead of all given him by the Father. It is on the ground and basis of Christ's atonement, the work which he finished, and the sacrifice which he offered, that sinners are reconciled to God. It is the sacrifice which God himself, in his infinite love, mercy, and wisdom, provided whereby, in a way, consistent with the righteousness of his nature, sinners lost, guilty, and hell-deserving would be saved with an everlasting salvation. Quote, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, unquote. 1 John 4, verse 10. The love of the Son in coming to suffer and die is equal to the love of the Father who sent him. Christ's sacrifice is the one and only sacrifice for sin. It is an, of infinite value and merit because the sacrifice of God in our nature. Quote, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 And to Christ alone, as the propitiation through faith in his blood, are we as sinners directed to look for salvation. Quote, For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Unquote. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 Arminians believe in a universal atonement, that Christ died for all and every man alike. For Judas as well as for Peter, and in support of their view they appeal to certain passages in scripture which on the surface appear to teach that Christ died for the whole world of mankind. It is evident from scripture that the term, quote, world, unquote, has a variety of meanings, and that it must always be interpreted according to the context in which it is found. This also applies to the word all. The text used by the Arminians to support their theory of a universal atonement can all be explained in the light of the context of setting forth an atonement for all the elect and the elect only, they do not in the slightest way contradict the scriptural and Calvinistic doctrine of a definite or limited atonement, limited in its design, limitless in its efficacy. According to the word of God, Christ by his death infallibly secured the salvation of the elect, those chosen in him and given him by the Father before the foundation of the world, those for whom Christ suffered and died are called, quote, his sheep, unquote, in John chapter 10, verse 11 and 15. Quote, his church, unquote, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, and Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. Quote, his people, unquote, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Quote, his elect, unquote, Romans chapter 8, verses 32 through 35. If Christ died for all, then all would be saved, for it is impossible that they for whom Christ died and whose guilt he expiated should be condemned and lost on account of that guilt. In his intercessory prayer, Christ prays for all for whom he offered himself as a sacrifice. Quote, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Unquote. In John chapter 17, verse 9. And on these alone he bestows eternal life. Quote, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Unquote. John chapter 17 verse 2. The universal call of the gospel and a definite atonement. If Christ's death was only for the elect, how can pardon and salvation be offered to all? Quote, the preachers of the gospel, unquote, says Dr. John Owen, Quote, in their particular congregations being utterly unacquainted with the purpose and secret counsel of God, being also forbidden to pry or search into it, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, may justifiably call upon every man to believe with assurance of salvation to everyone in particular upon his so doing. Knowing and being fully persuaded of this, that there is enough in the death of Christ to save everyone that shall do so leaving the purpose and counsel of God on whom he will bestow faith and for whom in particular Christ died to himself, 
When God calls upon men to believe, he does not in the first place call upon them to believe that Christ died for them, but that there is none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved, but only of Jesus Christ through whom salvation is preached. Death of that Death, Book 4, Chapter 1. In Volume 3, page 295 of his works, Dr. Owen also says, quote, Preachers of the gospel and others have sufficient warrant to press upon all men the duties of faith, repentance, and obedience, although they know in themselves they have not a sufficiency of ability for their due performance. For one, it is the will and command of God that they should do so, and that is the rule of their duties. They are not to consider what men can do or will do, but what God requires, to make a judgment of men's ability and to accommodate the commands of God unto them accordingly is not consistent unto any of the sons of men. Such are God's commands and such are the duties required in them. In and by them God doth use to communicate of his grace unto the souls of men, not with respect unto them as their duties, but as they are ways appointed and sanctified by him unto such ends." Unquote. John Calvin says, quote, As ministers of the gospel are messengers between God and men, the first duty devolving upon them is to make free offer of the grace of God, and the second is to strive with all their might that it may not be offered in vain, unquote. The sinner's warrant to believe in Christ. Quote, Let no sinner exclude himself from the benefit of the gospel by saying either I know not if I be elect, or I know not if I be a believer, and so I know not if Christ died for me and gave himself for me in particular. This is to mistake the ground and object of faith. For as salvation in God's purpose to the elect is not the ground of faith, and salvation in possession of the believer is not the ground of faith, but salvation in the word of grace and in the gospel offer, this is the glad news that comes to the sinner's ears upon which he may build his faith and hope of salvation. Quote, the question then is not, are you an elect person or not, nor is it, are you a believer or not, but the question is, are you a sinner that needs a Savior? It is not Christ in the decree of election that you are to look to, while you know not that you are elected, that is, to go too far back, nor is it Christ in the heart or in possession you are to look to, while you are not a believer. This is to go too far forward, but it is Christ in the word. You know that you are a sinner, and Christ a Savior held forth to you there, saying, quote, Look unto me, and be ye saved all ends of the earth, for I am God, and besides me there is none else, unquote. Ralph Erskine. An erroneous presentation of the gospel call, quote, In giving the gospel call, take heed to the warrant wherewith you accompany it, unquote said the professor R. Watts, D.D., L.L.D., an eminent Calvinistic theologian of his day in an address, quote, the gospel call, unquote, which he gave to divinity students of the Assembly College, Belfast, in 1867. Quote, in calling upon men to believe, beware that you give no other warrant than what God's word authorizes you to give. The warrant of faith, which consists in assuring all men that Christ died for them, is in view of the awful fact that all men are not saved, utterly derogatory to the work of the Redeemer, as well as to the honor, the justice, and the truth of the Everlasting Father. You will be led to conclude that the professedly unlimited atonement is really so limited as to be no atonement at all. 
The giving of such a warrant in view of the unquestionable fact that millions of those for whom it is alleged the satisfaction was made have perished involves an impeachment, an impeachment of the love and truth and justice of the Father or of the all-perfect righteousness of Christ. Whatever difficulties you may fill in giving the gospel call, you must not attempt to obviate them by the adoption of a theory of the atonement which strips it of all its glory and abstracts from it all that renders it efficaciously redemptive, or that really constitutes it a ground of the faith of God's people and a guarantee for their full and final salvation. Desire for success has led many an ambassador, uh, ambassador to fall into the error. Commissioned to, quote, preach the gospel, unquote, to preach Christ and Him crucified, to proclaim the unsearchable riches which are treasured up in his person and work, the ambassador has reduced the gospel, the inexhaustible theme, to one sentence, and shriveling up his message, has discharged it in the one utterance, quote, Christ has died for you, unquote. Out of this prime error has arisen all his embarrassment. Such a warrant of faith requires as its background either a special revelation in regard to the parties addressed or a universal atonement. Not being possessed of the former, the herald has endeavored to find relief by adopting the latter. Quote, the preaching of the gospel does not consist in the utterance of one or two concise invitations to come to Christ. The object of preaching is to, quote, produce both faith and repentance, and such invitations are fitted to produce not, neither. You are to expound and proclaim to all men the way of life by exhibiting Christ in the infinite dignity of his person and grace, of his official relations and work. You are to urge upon men the duty of accepting the salvation offered by God in him and of submitting to be saved in the way which in the infinite mercy of God has been provided. In doing this, you are to ply those you address with all the arguments furnished by the worth of the soul, the bliss of heaven, the unutterable woes of the lost, the justice and wrath of God, revealed in his law and in the history of its administration and by his love and mercy exhibited in Christ and his work. This done, you can assure them that all who obey this call shall be saved. This done, your work as an ambassador is done. You have said all you have authority to say in the execution of such a commission. The question will come to you again and again, can these bones live? But in your felt incompetency to quicken the dead which strow the valley of vision into which the head of the church may carry you, call to mind the truth to which attention has been already directed. Remember that you are a co-worker with God, that whilst you have charge of the external call, there is another, an internal call, given by the omnipotent, life-giving Spirit, whose it is to shine into the hearts of men and give them to behold the, the, that glory of God in the face of Christ, which it is yours to display before the minds of men in their natural estate." Unquote. Free Presbyterian Magazine, Volume 37, 1. Number 5. The Perseverance of the Saints. The fifth and last point of Arminianism implies that saving grace is not an abiding principle, and that those who are loved of God, ransomed by Christ, 
and born again of the Spirit may be cast away and perish eternally. Against this false and God-dishonoring doctrine of the Arminians, Christopher Ness advances twelve arguments proving that special grace cannot be totally and finally lost. Saving grace, he points out, quote, is called a seed remaining in those that are born of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, an incorruptible seed, 1 Peter 1, 23. Grace never differs from itself, though a gracious man does from himself. Saving grace cannot be lost, though as respecting its acts and operations it may not always be an exercise, but degrees and measures of grace formally attained to may be lost. Unquote. Thou hast left thy first love. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. Quote, the last and twelfth argument for the final perseverance of the saints is taken from the whole concurrent voice of scripture testimony. Quote, the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Unquote. Dr. Mullen and others have computed the texts of scripture which declare the doctrine of the saints' final perseverance at 600. The twelve following may, however, suffice merely as a sample to establish it as a gospel truth. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Romans chapter 8, verses 30, 38, and 39, 1 John chapter 2, verses 19 and 27, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22, Philippians chapter 1 verses 6, I mean verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, John chapter 14 verse 19, and Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 40, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Quote, this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Unquote. John chapter 6, verse 39 and 40. The need for an uncompromising and vigilant witness against Arminianism. Quote, Warnings from the pulpit and denunciation of the errors of Arminianism are not now heard as once they were. Even in pulpits where the truth is preached, it is to be feared that, in some cases, a faithful witness is not raised against Arminianism. The cause of this may be due in a measure to the fact that, in defending the cause of truth, new forms of error have to be exposed and assailed, with the result that the old enemy is left so far unmolested as if it were dead. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this is not so. Arminianism is very much alive in the pulpit, in the theological and religious press, and in the modern evangelistic meeting. When we bear in mind the horror with which our forefathers regarded Arminianism, the modern attitude to it indicates how far the professing church has drifted from the position of the theologians of those days. Unquote. The Reformed Faith by the Reverend D. Beaton page 18. Arminianism was the false gospel of John Wesley and his followers in the 18th century and of D.L. Moody in the 19th. It is the stock and trade of well nigh all the popular evangelists of the century from Billy Graham downwards, the gospel halls of the brethren, 
open and closed, are nurseries of Arminianism. The active agents of the faith mission and the Salvation Army, notwithstanding the moral and social results to the credit of the latter, spread the plague on every side. All the sects which have sprung up in these latter times, however divergent in their doctrines and practices, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, Pentecostalists, Mormons, Christadelphians, Cuneites, etc., etc., have all in common the fatal lie of free willism. It is Satan's sovereign drug which causes the soul to sleep in delusion, and the end of such delusion is death. Quote, free will, unquote, says Spurgeon, quote, has carried many souls to hell, but never a soul to heaven, unquote. Arminianism is armed to the teeth in enmity to true and vital godliness. Where it flourishes, its fruits are a superficial goody-goody form of godliness, the lamp and the light of the foolish virgins which went out in death and in despair. The declaratory acts of 1879, 1892, and 1921 in Scotland, and in 1901 in the Presbyterian Church of New Zealand, threw open the floodgates to the deluge of Arminianism. Spiritual death and desolation followed, the fat land was turned into barrenness, and the churches adopting these declaratory acts are now well on the road to Rome. The, quote, sovereign drug, unquote, of Arminianism has flourished beyond the wildest dreams of priests and Jesuits. It is not by open and unabashed passing of nefarious declaratory acts that Satan as an angel of light now works. Subtle infiltration is his present policy and technique. What need there is for the, quote, denunciation, unquote, and the, quote, horror, unquote, the Reverend D. Beaton refers to as the cloven hoof of Arminianism is unmistakably seen far within the tents of the popular evangelical conventions, fellowships, and unions of our day. The Scripture Union, the InterVarsity Fellowship, the International Council of Christian Churches, the conventions of the Keswick Fraternity, etc., are all riddled with the cancer of Arminianism. His ransomed church, his ransomed church in spotless robes from every tongue and race. He shall present before his throne, before his Father's face. And they through ages all shall sing, Salvation is of grace. Number 29, a Westminster Standard Publication. More free resources against Arminianism are online at http semicolon slash slash www.swrb.com slash newslet n-e-w-s-l-e-t-t slash freebook f-r-e-e-b-o-o-k slash calvin c-a-l-v-i-n dot h-t-m This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more, at great discounts or on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com. 
by phone at area code 780-450-3730, by fax at area code 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710 space 37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, P6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the new free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web as well as at times to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends, but we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message, including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading, and remember that Isaiah 26.3 states, quote, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee, unquote. And 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you, unquote.